No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Samuel confronts the people with the evil of asking for a king. The people fear the Lord and ask Samuel to pray for them. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 on Simply the Bible. Samuel had been a faithful leader in Israel, but now he was retiring. The people had requested a king to take his place. So Samuel addresses the nation one last time. We continue in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Samuel had been a priest, a prophet, and a judge in Israel. He had served them since his childhood. The role of a priest is twofold, to represent the people before God and to represent God before the people. Samuel had brought their desire for a king before the Lord, and God told him to give them the king they desired. Now he was old, and the people had rejected his sons. It was time for him to transfer his administration as judge to Saul as king. But before he did this, Samuel wanted to know if the people had anything against him. He took it personally when they no longer wanted him or his sons to rule over them. So now he says, how have I wronged you? We must admire Samuel's desire to live an exemplary life. He didn't take anything that belonged to anyone else. He didn't oppress or extort anyone. If he had wronged anybody, now would have been the time for them to speak up. But no one did. Samuel was constantly in the public eye, yet no one was able to lay any charge against him. Therefore, he called upon the Lord to witness this fact. There are few leaders who can open their lives to such public scrutiny from beginning to end and still be blameless. Samuel was truly a great man. Verse 6, Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. 
when Jacob had gone into Egypt. And your fathers cried out to the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Samuel now moves from his own record to the Lord's. How had the Lord wronged them that they would reject him as their king? Samuel told them to stand still as though he were addressing them in court. He laid before them the argument that God had been completely faithful to them, although they had been faithless. Verse 9, And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. When they forgot the Lord, he sold them into the hand of their enemies, just as he said he would do. And yet, when they cried out to him for help, he delivered them, not once or twice, but seven times throughout the period of the judges. God sent Jeroboam, that is Gideon, Bedan, probably another name for Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, who was the last of the judges, to deliver Israel from their enemies so that they could dwell safely in the land. Verse 12, And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Even though God had been merciful to deliver them when they called upon him, yet when the Ammonites came against them, they demanded a king because they wanted to be like the other nations. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Saul was the people's choice. And God gave them what they wanted. There is God's perfect will and his permissive will. Saul was God's permissive will because of the hardness of their hearts and their unfaithfulness toward him. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. God is compassionate. He is willing to take us where we are. Though Israel was stiff-necked, God would bless them if they would fear the Lord and keep his commandments. He was willing to forgive them. God would even bless their choice of a king if they would keep his covenant. But if they didn't obey the Lord, and rebelled against his commandments, then the Lord's hand would be against them, and they would suffer the oppression of their enemies just as their fathers had suffered. The ball was now in their court. Verse 16. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking for a king for yourselves. 
The wheat harvest was in the middle of summer. It was an unlikely time for there to be a thunderstorm. But Samuel would literally pray up a storm to prove to them the evil they had done in demanding a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. What could the people say? They had this awesome display of God's power to prove to them that they were wrong. And they were afraid. This was God's endorsement of Samuel's ministry. It's tragic when people can't simply acknowledge that they are wrong by humbling themselves before God's word. God has testified to us what is right and wrong in his word. But people want to justify and rationalize their actions and will go to great lengths to deny any wrongdoing. Then God must send a storm some cataclysmic event to get their attention. Maybe they've been ignoring their spouse's complaints and cries for help. Then one day they are served with divorce papers. The storm hits and their world is shaken to the core. Now maybe they will admit that they've been wrong and seek to make amends. But how much easier would it be if we would all simply listen to God's word and do what he says without having to face a storm. The people asked Samuel to pray for them so that they would not die. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Often it is when a person is suffering the consequences of his choices that he turns away from God. Rather than seeing that he is reaping what he has sown, he blames God and others. Now, as a loving father, God will seek to use discipline in our lives to correct us and put us on the right path. But Satan seeks to use our suffering to turn us away from God. When experiencing God's rod, as it were, many people become sullen rather than broken over their sins. Samuel knew that the people's fear could become discouragement so that they would turn away from God. He wanted them to humble themselves and confess their sin, but then to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. If they turned away from God, then they would only pursue empty things which could not profit or deliver. That is what we so often see today when people turn away from God. What do they pursue? Money, fame, power, sex, beauty, education, drugs, alcohol. But these things are empty and they have no power to deliver you when your soul is in desperate need and they certainly can't save you from hell. How much better is it for us to turn away from these empty things and trust in the Lord? For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. The good news was that even though they had sinned, the Lord would never forsake them. As the Apostle Paul 
wrote to Timothy, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. This is one of the golden nuggets of the Old Testament. Samuel considered it to be a sin against the Lord to stop praying for the people. Do we? What priority do we give to intercessory prayer? I believe one of the greatest sins of our nation is the sin of prayerlessness. We voice our opinions in the social media, but do we pray? We become politically active, vote, protest, and lobby, but do we pray? We are quick to give people a piece of our mind and tell them how we think they should run their lives, but do we pray? I would like to close with a quote from Pastor John Corson. Prayer is the proof of love, and love is the product of prayer. If I love someone, I will pray for him. And if I pray for him, I will love him. Could you be more devoted to praying for others, even for your enemies? I know I could be. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we will see where a great multitude of Philistines gather against Israel for war. The people panic and Saul foolishly offers a sacrifice without Samuel. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible.